0: Hello and welcome to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the co-editor over at Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way. We talk sports. Happy weekend, everybody. This is the Friday slash Saturday weekend edition of Locked on Wolves. Um, Of course, uh, as of this recording, we're almost all the way through the playing games. Uh, This is uh, Friday recording this and Thursday night. Unfortunately, we did not get um, quite as much entertaining basketball as we had had, uh, enjoyed on Wednesday. Uh, Of course, the, the Thursday night game was the Washington Wizards, somewhat surprisingly, in my mind drubbing the Indiana Pacers. So will talk about that here off the top. And then I want to get into a couple of real quick topics. One is uh, finalists for each of the NBA awards. Of course, that includes Anthony Edwards, spoiler alert, uh, is a is a finalist for the Rookie of the Year award. So I want to talk through those, my thoughts on the finalists for each position. And then I want to get into player reviews. Uh, we've already done four, Jarrett Culver, Jalen Noel, Juancho Hernangomez, and, and uh, Jake Lehman. And I'd like to do two more players talk about two more players today and also include some B-ball index numbers. B-ball index is of course a service, a site that I've used quite a bit here on the podcast and and I didn't cite any numbers for the first four players. Those were all a little bit smaller sample sizes anyway, because I'm basically going in reverse order of minutes played. So the two players I want to talk about today, I will get into some B-ball index numbers as we evaluate their seasons and I'll give everybody a letter grade because why not? It's a lot more fun when we do that. So that'll be the show today as we get you into your weekend and the start of the actual NBA playoffs. Um, and for the record, I I didn't mean that as a slight to the playing games. I think the idea is a lot of fun. And so far we've had what really kind of honestly, two out of five games have been really entertaining. Hopefully Friday night. The, uh, the Western Conference Warriors-Lakers will be, or excuse me, uh, Warriors-Lakers was the other night. The uh, uh, Warriors-Grizzlies on Friday night will be a lot of fun as well. So um, anyway, that'll be the show today and uh, we'll get you into the weekend. And then of course, back next week, Monday through Friday. A quick reminder here off the top, you can follow the show anywhere you listen to podcasts that includes Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course the all new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. That's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K. A E N. Okay. Very quickly, Pacers, Wizards from Thursday. Uh, the Wizards, in my mind, I said this on the show the other day, I thought the Pacers would be the favorites in this game, even minus Karis Levert, who still did not play due to health and safety protocols. But, um, the Pacers lost. I mean, this was a close game early, but the Wizards kind of pulled away in the second quarter and it was never really a game beyond that. They dropped 142 on Indiana. And, um, and now the Wizards will, uh, will be the eighth seed in the Eastern conference and, and, um, of course, will be in a really tough position next round. But still, uh, Damanis Dem- Sabonis did have a triple-double in the loss for Indiana. Um, I thought he'd have a better game uh, the other night in the in the first playing game, but he had a good game this time around. Malcolm Brob- Brogdon dropped 24, but it took him 23 shots to get there. And uh, on the Wizards' side, Bradley Beal was fantastic as always, 25 points for him. Um, we uh, There was 15 off the bench from Daniel Gafford. And also, uh, both Russell Westbrook and Rui Hachimura Provided 18 points for the Wizards in the big win. So, um, next, I mean, the Eastern Conference is now set. We'll see who wins the final playing game between the Grizzlies and Warriors on Friday night. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, John Rant versus Steph Curry, you know, Andrew Wiggins, um, against former Timberwolves teammate Tyus Jones, maybe not directly against one another, but on the on the floor together. And it should be a lot of fun. So then we'll have the full playoff field and a full slate of games, or at least four games on Saturday as uh, the playoffs kick off in earnest over the weekend. Um, okay, next I want to talk about the the finalists for all the awards... That are out there, um, or, or I should say, the finalists for all the awards that will be named here soon—the major awards. Um, the MVP award, not a surprise, who the three were: Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic are in some order probably the top three favorites to win the award. The LeBron injury obviously kind of tanked his chances. The uh, the Bucks weren't good enough for Giannis to truly be considered, although he would probably be next on the list, right? Um, but those four—Curry and Embiid and Jokic—are the. Th- or or excuse me, those three are the three that should be the finalists for the MVP award. I'll get my pick on this one. I think Jokic should be the MVP, no questions asked. I don't even think it's particularly close. I mean, he had one of the best seasons from a big man we've seen in a long time. He's already one of the better passing big men of all time and plays such a unique brand of basketball. And also the Jamal Murray injury, they're just that team. Is deep, but there isn't a ton of secondary star power. Power as you might see elsewhere. I guess the Warriors. You could say the same thing about that. But at least Embiid, as Ben Simmons and others, where where that team has a little bit more clout as a team. Um, I, I I mean, Jokic is just such a unique talent. Um, and for me, his season was the best of anyone. He's the MVP of the season, Defensive Player of the Year. The three finalists for that. Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Ben Simmons. You could make an argument for all of them. I think Gobert probably should win it again. Uh, Bam bio interesting to me, he didn't make the list as a finalist, but I think Gobert should win that one. Rookie of the Year, Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. I've talked about this quite a bit. I'll spend just a minute here giving my, I guess, my elevator pitch for, for why you could make the argument for both. I'm really playing both sides of this one, admittedly. In a vacuum, LaMelo Ball had the better season. This this is my kind of Cliff Notes uh, version of this. I've, I've gone on this, I don't know, I don't want to call it a rant, but I've talked about this before. We'll get back to it here before the actual voting takes place. But LaMelo Ball, for me, in a vacuum, had the best season of any rookie. However, Anthony Edwards had a better close to the season and with that, a better um, improvement from, call it you know Christmas, basically what, they play one game pre-Christmas. So the end of December, through the end of the season, the trajectory of Anthony Edwards was much a much more rapid ascension than what we saw from Lamelo Ball. Now, that's not an argument against Lamelo Ball because he's been he was better start to finish, and therefore you could make the argument he's rookie of the year. He was also on a better team. Um, neither player started at the beginning of the year; both forced their way into the starting lineups for their respective teams. I think Anthony Edwards, the wow factor was there for him because of the dunks, because of the bully ball, because of the impressive deep range on his jumper. Um, LaMelo ball had the highlights passing the ball. Edwards was actually, and neither one was good defensively, but he, Edwards was the better defender, hit the steals. He had that steals streak in the second half of the season and, and the steals kind of ratcheted up towards the end of the year. Um, if I had a vote and, and this is maybe sacrilegious and, and everybody's going to hate it, but I would vote for LaMelo ball for rookie of the year. And, uh, I, I would, I mean, if I, if I was voting unbiased, I would vote LaMelo ball. However, if Anthony Edwards wins the award, I don't know that it should even be looked at as an upset. I think it's that close. And I think it's because of that rapid ascension of Edwards, the wow factor, the second half of his season, the improvement and the fact that you look at their respective games and you say LaMelo Ball's better now, but there's a there's a world that Anthony Edwards is the better player in 18 months from now, right? Maybe following his second season or, or getting into his third season, we could say Anthony Edwards is the better player because I still think the ceiling's that much higher. Unless LaMelo Ball continues to improve his shot you know, year over year, which I guess we're hoping for the same thing from Edwards, but the physical tools of Edwards, the defensive upside of Edwards, if if things click for him, are, are greater than that of LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball has a higher floor. Um, if these guys have identical seasons next year, we'll be looking at this and saying, well, LaMelo Ball's the better player, no question. Um, so I would pick Ball for Rookie of the Year. However... Anthony Edwards is a very close second, and I would not certainly not be upset if he won the award. I would be psyched if he did, and and I think he I think he's got a shot. I do think the voting is going to be fairly close. Um, Therese Halliburton, by the way, was fantastic this year too. He just didn't have an, a big enough role on a team that wasn't very good uh, to truly you know be in the top two. He certainly was the third best rookie. I don't think there's any question about that. Most improved player: Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., Julius Randle. I think Julius Randle should win this one. Michael Porter Jr. It's interesting to to see him in the most improved player mix because he's still such a young player. It's not like he had, you know, Julius Randall and Jeremy Grant have both had far more years under their belt than Michael Porter jr. It was just more of an opportunity thing for him. I guess it was the fact that he went from a fringe rotation player at the start of last season to uh, a borderline star this year, averaging 19 points a game. Um, Julius Randall was the more surprising Ascension. Jeremy Grant, everybody knew he was good and he's continuing to get better. And, uh, but Julius Randle, to me, should win that award. Sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, both, of course, of the same team. And then Derek Rose of the Pistons then traded to the Knicks during the season. Um, I probably picked Jordan Clarkson for this award. I think he was maybe a little bit better defensively than anybody thought he could be, which is, I guess is not why you vote for sixth man of the year. But in my mind, it should be the total package. And I think he surprised me at least with how improved he was on that end of the floor. He just played better defensively, was more consistent than we've seen for much of his career. The the talent was always there and he could always score the ball a little bit. Um but he was very very good for the Jazz this year and Joe Ingles obviously shot the lights out, but I think Jordan Clarkson was actually the more well-rounded player this year. And I'd probably pick him for sixth man of the year. Coach of the year Quinn Snyder, Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams. A very clear argument for each of them. I mean, the Jazz were the best team start to finish this season. The Knicks shocked everybody, ended with a top four seed in the East, and I thought they'd be maybe the second or third worst team in the East. I was dead wrong about the Knicks. And then Monty Williams, because I actually picked the Suns over this year and I thought that they would be a playoff team. I I did not dream that they would win 51 games and have the second best record in the entire NBA, just a game behind Utah. For that reason, I think you gotta go with Monty Williams. Um, Obviously there's a Chris Paul effect there. But it's not like bringing in Chris Paul automatically gets you 50 wins. You got to go with Monty Williams. Um, they were fantastic this season. and uh, I think I kind of think he'll win it. Um, I, I actually I should have looked up the odds before I, I went through this, but in my mind it would be it, it should be Monty Williams. Um, anyway, we'll talk about the awards once the winners are announced um, and uh, you know, break those down a little bit, see how, how my picks looked. But interesting to see the finalist lists announced. And, uh, and how all those things lay out. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. And of course, the Anthony edwards Lamelo ball race for Rookie of the Year. Um, okay, next I want to hit on a couple of player uh, reviews for the season, give out some grades on a couple of Wolves players. We'll talk about Jordan McLaughlin today as well as Jared Vanderbilt. Um, spend a few minutes on each of those guys here coming up next. Before we do that though, let's talk about our friends at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me who's not an elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60%, six, zero percent, deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and more. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's talk about a couple of Timberwolves player reviews. Let's start with Jordan McLaughlin. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin, of course, last year was a two-way player, undrafted rookie. He was a four-year starter at USC and played in the summer league with the Wolves, got a two-way contract offer leading into the 19-20 season. And surprised a lot of people, myself included. He's someone that I usually feel like I pr- do a pretty good job of getting a pulse on guys from summer league preseason, just kind of getting a sense for who can hang and who can't in the league. I was wrong on Jordan McLaughlin. I wasn't all that impressed by him in summer league, and I thought it was kind of a throwaway for the two-way contract spot. I was wrong. Jordan McLaughlin belongs in the NBA, and he was really good. Um, I should say, the first time he was called up, though, late 2019, uh, the early stages of that season, I forget what the injury was exactly. I think it was when Jeff Teague was banged up, um, which feels like this was like five years ago. But the beginning of last season, Jeff Teague was on the Timberwolves. He was banged up. And uh, of course, no D'Angelo Russell, no Ricky Rubio. Uh, what, Shabazz Napier was banged up to. Man, that feels like a long time ago. But anyway, uh, McLaughlin struggled when he got called up the first couple of times he played at the NBA level. He really didn't look like he belonged. And then by the end of the year, after the Wolves made all those moves, they traded Teague, they traded Napier. And Jordan McLaughlin was fantastic at the end of his rookie year to the point where I was just genuinely shocked. He did not get a, a contract offer or at least um, something that he was willing to accept this last offseason. Now, of course, without the the weirdness of the cap um, staying where it was basically and, of course, COVID-19 affecting the entire offseason, I think McLaughlin probably in a normal offseason ends up somewhere else or at least makes more money. But he ended up coming back to the Wolves. Remember, two-way players are essentially, I mean, they are. They're literally restricted free agents. So the Timberwolves ended up keeping Jordan McLaughlin and bringing him back on a two-way deal kind of at the at the 11th hour of, of the offseason. And he came back to Minnesota. He signed late, so he didn't play early in the season at all. And two-way contract limits were were changed drastically for the season. So he basically, I mean, he didn't go to the bubble. Remember, there was the G League bubble, so you had to be all the way in or all the way out, basically. And the Wolves did send Ashton Higgins, who was their other two-way player, but then he was waived after he apparently reportedly broke protocols in the bubble. But McLaughlin stayed with the Wolves the whole time. And frankly, his season was a little bit disappointing based on what we saw from him as a rookie. But when it was all said and done, he was still a backup quality point guard, uh, or I should say a quality backup point guard. That's what he's going to be like, He he's a really solid backup point guard at the NBA level. And even if some of the numbers maybe weren't quite what the Wolves wanted them to be this year, it, he took a, a half step back in some areas. We have to remember that it was a weird year. We have to remember that he started the season behind the eight ball. He actually contracted COVID-19 with tested positive for COVID, I think right after the all-star break and missed some time then. So we can wonder whether or not his conditioning was up to par Uh, after returning from COVID, but his field goal percentage dropped significantly from 48.9% as a rookie to 41.3% this year. Three-point shooting percentage dropped by 2.3 points from over 38% to just under 36%. And um, free throw rate was way down. He shot free throws better when he got to the line, but the free throw rate was down. Assist rate was down. Turnover rate was up. All that stuff wasn't nearly as impressive. Now, he also played a lot more with another point guard. We saw him play quite a, quite a bit with D'Angelo Russell, quite a bit with Ricky Rubio, not something he did much as a rookie. And, and I don't think that suits him very well. I think he plays much better when he's the primary ball handler and um, is initiating in pick and roll game. He excels in pick and roll and Chris Finch didn't run nearly as much as Ryan Saunders did. And I think that affected Jordan McLaughlin's ability um, to, 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 to be effective on the floor. Uh, defensively, he was still solid. He's still a good defender. And it's why I think he, he has a really good future as a primary backup point guard. I don't know if that's in Minnesota. I think if the Wolves were to trade Ricky Rubio, perhaps McLaughlin comes back as their primary point guard. But I think at this moment, sitting here today, in part due to you know, fair or unfair Rubio's relationship with Anthony Edwards and also Carl Anthony Towns, the fact that he, he could fetch a return at the deadline next year, it, it may make more sense to keep Rubio on the roster and let McLaughlin walk. I mean, we'll see. Again, if, if they can keep him around for a reasonable contract, he's a good player and he does fit what they try and do. He just doesn't fit quite as well in Chris Finch's system as he did in Ryan Saunders system. And my opinion is they end up going somewhere else. They might look for a little more size. Both Rubio and Russell are pretty big point guards and that may be something that is important to Chris Finch moving forward. I don't know that for sure, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Apologies if you hear dogs barking in the background. Um, I, I don't exactly have a soundproof room to, to record the podcast in. So if you hear dogs, that's a, it's my dog and the neighbor dog. Um, okay, if I'm giving Jordan McLaughlin a grade on this season, I, I have to give him a B- minus because he did regress in, in basically every offensive category. He was still solid defensively. And I mean, he had a couple of really nice games mixed in there, uh, even if the numbers weren't there. And and he played less minutes per game. His opportunities were a little bit fewer and farther between in in this season. He was still a solid player. So I'm going to give him a B minus. And I'm very curious to see what his future is in the league. I I do think he'll get a backup job somewhere, even if it's not in Minnesota. But I'll give him a B minus for the season. Oh, and then also related to B-ball index numbers, I thought I would pull at least one interesting metric from B-ball index for each player that I review here moving forward. I think what I'll do for McLaughlin is is just kind of point out what B-Ball Index. And if you're not familiar, it's bball-index.com. It's a subscription service. It's only like five bucks a month. They got some really good stuff, um, but they have player profiles for everybody and they list the top talent areas for each player. So for McLaughlin, it's number one playmaking, which they define as the ability to generate high volumes of high value scoring opportunities for teammates. Number two, perimeter defense. Number three, perimeter shooting. He continues to be pretty efficient from outside. Number four, offensive rebounding. Um, So for him, it's really weighted towards those first two. Playmaking and perimeter defense, you look at all of his, and also I should mention finishing. That's not listed in his top four categories because he shot less at the rim and he drew less fouls this year. But overall, his uh, getting to the rim and his pass out rate and all that stuff is really good. He's basically A's and A minuses across the board according to B-ball index. Um, but his playmaking ability are are all pretty much 96% and higher passing creation volume, 96th percentile. That's uh, passes leading to shots for teammates a player makes per 75 possessions on court offensively. Um, so that's a 96th percentile. assists uh, Assist points per 75 possessions, which is total points from assists per 75 possessions, 93rd percentile, which is also an A. Passing efficiency, 96th percentile. That looks at high value assists and bad pass turnovers. McLaughlin takes care of the ball, even though those numbers weren't quite as good this year as they were last year. Very good uh, numbers for him, and then also his he he guards point of attack. He's the point of attack defender often. He's guarding the opposing team ball handler obviously, and does a very good job doing so. So there's some um, statistics related to that and uh, defensive activity. Uh, you know, steals what he does there, three point contests. He's not quite, doesn't rank quite as well there, but steals and deflections. He's he's grades out as an A, and then if you look at Um, Another thing that I like that they do over here at B-Ball Index is they'll compile player impact based on all these different metrics. So the LeBron statistic, which is uh, their own real plus minus over ESPN Raptor at 538, um, box plus minus, which is a uh, a basketball reference metric. But in terms of defensive rating, both LeBron and, um, and adjusted RAPM, really like the season that McLaughlin had. It's a little bit more mixed. Real plus minus does not like what he did defensively. Raptor thinks it's pretty mediocre. They have him as a C plus there, but it's all over the map. And I think that's really interesting. Um, And it goes to show that it's not always cut and dry with some of these individual metrics. And if you watch Jordan McLaughlin play, you would, you would probably say, yeah, he's maybe a little bit above average, but he has some plays where he just gets, he, he gets lost on screens because he is rather diminutive or he'll get beat off the dribble by quicker players. But by and large, he's a solid defender. He's opportunistic and uh, he competes and those things matter. And it makes sense to me that it's kind of a mixed bag when you look at some of these advanced metrics related to his defensive game. Um, certainly if he had a little bit more size and strength, I think he would rank much higher. I think he would also probably be able to make a case to be a starting point guard, honestly, in the league too. So um, at any rate, there's Jordan McLaughlin. I give him a B minus for the season. Next, I want to talk about uh, Jared Vanderbilt, one of my favorite Timberwolves players to talk about. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll know that I was high on him when they traded for him last year. So I want to talk about his season next. Before we do that though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's now, of course, in full swing, although the Minnesota Twins are have had a disappointing season if if uh, you're a Twins fan as I am. You can also track all the action from all other sports and bet online that includes the NBA NHL and all your favorite UFC and MMA action before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt. So I've been high on Vanderbilt since the Wolves traded for him. Remember, they basically, uh, as a side deal, I mean, it was technically part of the deal. But back last February 2020, when the Wolves acquired Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and, and others... They basically said, hey, we'll, we'll trade you Kated Bates-Diop for Jared Vanderbilt. And the Nuggets didn't care because they had plenty of depth. They had tons of these raw players bouncing back and forth between the G League and Denver. And Keita Bates-Diop, in theory, could have been a better fit for a playoff run, provide some... Uh, I know he's not actually... doesn't have much more experience than Jared Vanderbilt, but he's much older, more of a, I guess, veteran presence. Uh, and, and, you know... Katie Bates, you kind of know what you get with him. Jared Vanderbilt, very raw, had had some injuries, was a second round pick, but had really lottery talent, had a very abbreviated career at the University of Kentucky. And um, the Wolves said, hey, let's take a flyer on this guy. And I thought it was very smart, very, very shrewd at the time. He's somebody who we knew could be a good rebounder and probably a plus defender, but just didn't have much of an offensive game. And there were some concerns with his his, uh, injury history but the Wolves got him. He played well in the G League down the stretch last year, saw a brief period of time in Minnesota. And then this year was on the roster from the get-go and didn't really get opportunities early. And I thought he could be that switchable forward that the Wolves are always chasing. Maybe you can develop some offensive game to him, maybe not. And as it turns out, he's a viable NBA player without an offensive game. I mean, he's that good as a rebounder, defender, energy guy. He's probably not a starting caliber player moving forward. But remember, he was 21 this season. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt, just turned 22 in April, beginning of April, and has a has a future ahead of him at the NBA level. I mean, he he is going to be a rotation player on a good team. I truly believe that. Um, what he showed this year was a fantastic ability, uh, having a nose for the ball, rebounding ability. He was actually third on the team in rebound rate after Carl Anthony Towns and Ed Davis. And um, remember, this is a team that has struggled to rebound the ball for the better part of the last couple seasons, part and due part to the, the tiny small ball lineups you know, Roko at the four, Robert Covington at the four last season, um, you know, Josh Kogi, Jake Lehman playing the four a lot this season, that Ryan Saunders like to run out there. But Jared Vanderbilt's a legit good defender. Or excuse me, a legit good rebounder. He's a good defender, too. Um, but the defensive rebounding rate, the overall total rebounding rate is really impressive. Um and and he was he was third in total rebound rate, second in def- defensive rebound rate on the Timberwolves next to Ed Davis. And he showed really this just knows for the ball in every situation, whether that be in half court defense um, or, or rebounding the ball on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. But that was kind of an edge, something the Wolves didn't have previously and don't really have otherwise. Vanderbilt is that energy guy. Joshua Kogi is to some extent, but at least in terms of a bigger bodied player who has some more, uh, more, more, I guess not a lot more length than a Kogi, but a little bit more size than a Kogi. Certainly Vanderbilt can be that, that guy who can play the four. His offensive game is basically non-existent. He was best used in the dunker spot, actually similar to Josh Akogi. I mean, Josh Akogi's offensive game was much better when he was asked to do that versus, you know, play almost more like a power forward offensively at the elbows and in the dunker spot along the baseline versus when he was stuck in the corner and Josh really struggled you know, shooting the ball from the quarters and, and everywhere on the floor. Vanderbilt, that was never a thing. He was always just kind of down, hanging out on the baseline, hoping for a tip dunk on an offensive rebound, tip out an offensive rebound to the perimeter, um, or or be there for a dump off pass um, and a dunk. He struggled as the roll man in pick and roll at times, especially early, because he just doesn't have great hands. And that is one of his bigger issues. Um, he doesn't have good touch as a shooter. He doesn't have a jump shot. He doesn't have range and he doesn't have good hands but he's athletic enough and long enough and plays hard enough that he can be a a good enough offensive player. Um you know he's not a, he's not a good offensive player but he's good enough that if he's you can't play him with Josh Akogi, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But if he's your one non-shooter on the floor, he does enough on the offensive glass and and in terms of energy plays that you can get away with him on the court. And in some ways, he's a really great fit next to Carl Anthony Towns because of his ability to be switchable on defense, to take those more mobile bigs um, in coverage and, and allow Towns to hang back by the paint. Vando can go out on the perimeter and guard some quicker fours. Um, now, he gets into trouble when switched onto some quick threes and, and certainly onto twos. He's not exactly Jaden McDaniels when it comes to the perimeter defense. But he can guard quicker threes and fours, uh, or excuse me, he can guard some threes and some quicker fours, and you know doesn't really guard fives as well, but can hold his own when needed. Um, the Wolves got into a little bit of trouble when he played five back when Ryan Saunders was still the coach, but... As a four who can switch on to some threes and some fives, Vanderbilt is a very viable rotation player. I think his long-term future is probably more as like a 12 to 16 minute a guy, maybe a fourth big off the bench, plays mostly the four, maybe a little bit of five. Um, as an energy guy, as a matchup defender, depending on who your opponent is, I think he can be really effective. And I actually think he could have a role on a playoff caliber team. Um the upside is still there, though. If he adds anything to his offense, if he adds any touch, if he improves his free throw shooting, if he improves his hands, um, then he could become the type of guy who who could start alongside Carl Anthony Towns and probably not play really heavy minutes. But the matchup with Towns, or excuse me, the pairing with Towns with Vando at the four and Cat at the five is so good that... If he improves at all in some of those other areas, we could see him as like a, a shorter minute starter who plays most of his minutes with Towns and then gives way to more of an offensive four, like Jaden McDaniels or Juancho Hernan Gomez. Or if he's at the four and Jaden McDaniels is at the three, if McDaniels develops his offensive game a little bit, we could see that as a lineup with that sees some success. Um, but I really like Jared Vanderbilt's game, and I really do think he's got a bright future. I think that uh, he'll be on this team for the next couple of years. I think the wolves will give him every opportunity to earn a rotation role early next season. Um, and, and I'm excited to see what that looks like as he continues to develop as a pro. Um, I, I do want to hit a couple of real quick notes from beball index as promised. And as I did a minute ago here with, uh, with Jordan McLaughlin, uh, but Vanderbilt, not surprisingly, his top talent areas, according to B-Ball Index, are number one, perimeter defense, number two, interior defense, number three, offensive rebound, number four, defensive rebounding. Um, so nothing related to scoring at all, just defense and rebounding, which is exactly what I said a minute ago. That's what he does. Um, he actually, by the way, I, he hasn't done enough of this to make it like a real conversation topic, but Vanderbilt can handle the ball and pass it a little bit. The thing is, is is he just has no offensive scoring ability like there's there's no he doesn't strike fear into the hearts of defense Defense defenses when the ball's in his hands and so teams can play him for the pass and don't need to worry about him driving to the basket or certainly not shooting from the perimeter Um, but he can handle the ball and pass so he's pretty dangerous in transition when he gets the ball and like in the secondary break even Um, and also pretty decent as a cutter although he he wasn't it was more uh, you know dunker spot type situations short rolls to the rim and things like that Um, but at any rate Vanderbilt is a fantastic rebounder. B-ball index backs that up. They've got him offensive rebounding. All of his metrics are A's and A-minuses, 89 percentile and up in offensive rebounding. Defensive rebounding, basically the same thing. A-minuses and B-pluses for the most part in terms of defensive rebounds per 75 possessions, contested rebound percentage, defensive rebounding positioning, all that good stuff. Um and then his perimeter defense activity is primarily A's and A-minuses as well. Uh, so that backs up everything that I just talked about is, uh, oh, and also interior defense. Percentage of rim shots contested while he's on the floor, 95th percentile, that's grades out as an A. Rim contest per 75 possessions, that's 83rd percentile, A-minus. So Vando is as advertised, a fantastic rebounder, fantastic defender. He just needs a little bit more offensive game, a little bit of touch so that he can he can provide some uh, semblance of offense when he's on the floor, but he's already a very nice player. And, and I look forward to watching his growth next to Towns. And I do think Chris Finch really likes him and, and we'll find a role for him at the start of next season. We'll see how he sticks with Towns. In terms of a letter grade, Vando gets an A- for me because he was about as good as he as he possibly could have been, given what we knew about his, his profile as a player, what his strengths and weaknesses were and are. Um, and, and really, it's just, I, in my mind, his hands were the only thing that worried me. I mean, we knew he didn't have much shooting touch. He dropped a lot of balls, had some bad turnovers, um, and inability to finish inside at times because of his hands. And so that's, I guess why I'm digging him and giving him an A minus. That was the only thing that surprised me this year, but relative to expectations, he had a really good season. And and like I said, I, I think his, his future is very bright. Okay. Um, that's all we have for you on the show today. And I'll be back, of course, on Monday. I'll, I'll talk about the the playoff action from the weekend. We'll spend at least a segment talking through that. Um, working through lining up a couple of guests next week as well. So stay tuned as we roll into off-season mode. Uh, probably some guests related to the draft as we look at, you know, who the Wolves might take if they do. We at least know will they'll be in the top three if they have a pick. So we can focus on those top three picks. Also rolling along in the player review series as we wrap up each individual player's season for the Timberwolves. So that will be ongoing next week too. And of course, well, have playoff action throughout the week. So plenty of things to talk about here moving forward. Um, a reminder that if you're not already following the show, you can follow, you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and our great friends at Odyssey. That's the all new Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter. Please do so, at T Wolves and at BBeacon. That's two B's, two E's, C K. Yet That's all we have for today. Thanks once again for listening to the show. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is all your local experts on all the biggest stories. This episode, once again, was brought to you by Locker Room. You can download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store. Find one of our Lockdown Rooms. Locker Room is changing the way that we talk sports. All right, have a great weekend. Enjoy some playoff basketball. I'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, remember, this is Locked On Wolves. My name is Ben Beacon. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, our Suns fans disappointed that they have to face the Lakers. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today show. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.